Right, we're finally here. Preseason is underway. I guess we're midway through the preseason. Zion's played a second game. The Laker game almost got canceled in China, but they still made it onto the floor for the Chinese fans out there. And we've arrived to the last division. We need to preview our favorite division and what could probably be the most competitive division in the NBA this coming year. That's the Pacific Division. A division that I like to say at this point has five of the top 10 NBA players and all of those are just here in the state of California. So if there's ever been a more exciting time for California basketball, it's this year. We might actually see the Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors in the playoffs for the first time ever. If that's hard for you to believe, Sean, that's that's never happened. Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty good trivia question even right there. That's amazing, Alan. I did not know that, but... I mean, given the Clippers' track record, I'm not that surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and we can talk about the Lakers' winning record, the you know Clippers' losing record, Kings and the Warriors up until recently. They're also a fallouts from the playoffs. Well, they were there every now and then, but I think the trivia question, though, and I think you might get the answer to this right, <laughs> Sean, here. And it's appropriate to ask it this week because, hint, this team is in the Pacific Division, but which team right now currently has the longest playoff drought in the NBA? Not just in this division. I mean, the team's going to come from this division. Yeah, big yeah you gave me that but one. But it's the entire NBA. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like, man, th this is a 50-50. The Kings and Suns have not been in the playoffs for a while. I honestly, I, I, the answer seems obvious, but I, I don't know if this is a trick question or not. Man, when was the last time the Kings were in the playoffs? <laughs> it's been a while too. Wow, I'm 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 gonna have to go Suns. Suns, really? I am stunned you went with the Suns. I guess not, but the answer is the Kings. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're yeah. right. It was it had to have been a 50-50. I just couldn't remember. I couldn't remember when they had made it. I know the Suns haven't made it since like Steve Nash was good, but I didn't know if the Kings had been out of it for that long. Right. So I think so when I was thinking of this, I asked myself this question. I was like, who is it? And I was like, it has to be the Suns. And that's because I thought all the way back to 2008, for some reason, I thought that was the last Phoenix Suns team to make the playoffs. But they actually made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2010. In 2010. Yeah, that's yeah, that and, really isn't that long ago. It was only like nine right. years ago. And that team snuck in there. I think most people forget how far that team went. But mm -hmm. the Kings, the Kings, yeah. How long are they? Not, how long? <laughs> I think the exact number, if I do my math right, I think it's fourteen seasons. But wow. <laughs> the last time they made the playoffs was in the two thousand five two thousand six season, where they finished as a seventh seed oh and lost gosh. in the first round. A team that had Mike Bibby still on there, and uh, I don't think Chris Webber was, was that, on that team oh, yeah, any Chris, longer. Was that Peja Stojakovic? Was he on that team? I think he might have still been on that team, and I think he went after that year's when he went to the to the Hornets. Yeah, okay. With Chris Paul. Huh. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I can't say I'm too surprised, but man, 14 years for these Kings, and you know, I'm I'm gonna have to say they're they're gonna have to be waiting a little while longer with these West teams that we're about to go over. Yeah, they they're better. They're going to be better, I think, but. That is not going to guarantee them a playoff spot with this uh, Western Conference race. And something else that's just probably in low spirits as Kings fans when they hear that they haven't made the playoffs since 2005, <laughs> I think, is the rest of the NBA with this whole China news, which we were just talking to about this earlier before we hit the record button here, Sean, that 
I did not pay too much attention to this, and now I feel like I have to the last the last day and a half, seeing how big this has gotten over what almost seems like a ju- juvenile reason, a tweet from Daryl Morey. <laughs> but this thing yeah. is now blown up. It has real consequences for for the NBA owners and the players, and I guess Chinese fans as well, if you group them in there as well. Um, this is a big deal. This is a big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, it's it's really scary how much this got blown out of proportion, or I guess blown into a correct proportion, you might want to say in some cases. Like you right. said, this was just a simple Donald Trump-style tweet. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I guess you're able to tweet things these days, and it, it is basically law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Morey just tweeting his support of the Hong Kong Pro- protest going on that's been going on for a while now um and that w- we don't have to get into that whole situation and the details behind that basically hong kong wanting freedom from the chinese government um and he's siding with them and uh you know with the chinese government they do not take very kindly to outsiders uh against their traditions against their laws um especially when it comes to something as near and dear to their hearts is the NBA. NBA is one of the most special things of the Chinese fan base. And uh, this really is just completely came out of left field, really. Um, after all these preseason games started, everyone's getting really excited about the season. The Rockets are one of China's favorite teams. Now they're getting completely censored by the Chinese government. Nike has pulled Rockets merchandise off of their Chinese web store and and like you said right here, Alan Yao Ming is himself is extremely hot Quote over unquote, the situation. From Adam Silver. Yeah, this is crazy, and this is yeah, this is what Adam Silver Adam Silver said that Yao Ming is quote unquote extremely hot over this situation, and it's a big deal when you really just look at the numbers. When you break it down to raw numbers, there are more NBA fans in China than there are in the U.S. Despite there only being. NBA games in China for the preseason for the part that matters the least in the NBA season. And I mean, the NBA TV channel, national channel, which is owned by the Chinese government, pulls all has pulled all NBA games off their network, at least for the time being. And this is a $1.5 billion deal. And again, these are Oof. dollars that go straight into the NBA. And these are the numbers that, that are then used to calculate the cap space. Yes. So if you're the Kings... <laughs> You are sweating bullets because if this <laughs> falls apart, if you're the Kings or you're in any of these teams that's betting that the caps that the deals that you signed this summer aren't going to be that bad three years from now because of an increased cap space, I got to think you are sweating bullets right now. And uh, the NBA Chinese on the, the the NBA affiliate that takes care of all Chinese affairs that alone is valued at five billion last year uh, by Sports Business Journal. Despite, uh, like I said, there being as actually no official NBA games there outside of the preseason games. So the value coming from China and Chinese fans is very real and. The thought of losing that to the NBA has to be scary, both to the players and the owners, because I think at the end of the day, everybody's paycheck here is going to hurt a little bit. Right. And like we were saying, like this is just came from a very simple tweet. But even if you are like someone that wants to completely ignore the politics and a lot of people, they want to shy away from this, this type of conversation. Right. But this has real ramifications, like we just mentioned. Like you cannot ignore what has happened because of how this has escalated into what it is now. NBA teams are planning, like you said, with the with the King situation, with their salary cap, 
people are looking at instead of the salary cap increasing we're looking at potentially like a 10 to 15 percent decrease that could happen as soon as next year because of what's going on here i mean china is such a huge market and it really goes to show here with what the nba's actions have been since that tweet that they really do seem to care more about that money than they do about supporting a certain political ideology uh, with this new york a new york times article came out blasting the nba for how they were uh they, they basically called daryl Morey's treat regrettable um obviously from a business perspective because it's going to take away a lot of revenue from the nba um, but they're getting a lot of flack uh, from various parts of the world. I mean, New York Times bashing the NBA. Uh, there's various politicians that are really putting the NBA under fire for trying to smooth things over with China when they think that uh, Daryl Morey is in the right to express his freedom of speech. Uh, it is, it's just a crazy situation. I mean, you have yeah. Anta, the, the shoe company, the Chinese shoe company, not renewing sponsorship deals with NBA players, including Clay Thompson even. Um, at the highest level and that is just insane how this all transpired from one tweet from one man <laughs> and how people reacted to it afterwards it, yeah. it's insane to me how out of hand this got so quickly right and the nba is in the crossfire like you said from all sides of the spectrum yeah. not just the sports world it's got it's dealing with the chinese government issue now it's dealing with real revenue numbers with American politicians. I guess almost American political ideology is is attacking uh, the NBA right now as they're fighting against Chinese political ideology. And this Man. is a total world that the NBA is not, does not want to be in, and neither are they any of the players, owners, coaches, whoever. None of them are experts in this. And it sucks that now I think for the next couple of weeks, unless this really get straightened out quickly, which it seems like it just might not. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be dealing with questions like this. And we saw earlier today uh, a reporter try to ask a question along the lines of this to uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And the reporter, uh, the reporter's question was denied. And I mean, at this point, I think that might be a good strategy. Just not add more fuel to this fire and have players answer questions regarding a situation that, that is already extremely hot and they also just have no you know professional experience in it and unfortunately when it comes to china the that you just cannot speak freely about it as you can with uh current u.s politics or u.s issues yeah and it's great and then um there's also that interview with steve kerr where he really didn't want to comment on it very much um he seemed pretty timid to talk about the situation and then you have like Donald Trump coming out and just blasting him I uh, think like an interview or something, calling him a little boy. Yeah. It's like how like how insane is this that the NBA has such global pull uh, with it? Yeah. And even just within the United States and across the world, how big of a deal it is really like that one man expressed his opinion on a situation and it's it was deemed enough of a threat by an entire government body that they decided to completely shut down any operation with this super huge organization that is the NBA billions of dollars lost over one tweet. Um, and it, it's really, it is hard to just look at it from the monetary perspective, right? It's like, you can look at it as like, wow, they lost so much money, but like, man, it's just crazy to me how one guy saying one thing could become such a big deal, you know? Yeah. I mean, Daryl Morey, if 
I mean, I don't think the worst case scenario here is actually going to happen where China completely pulls out of everything. But, I mean, I guess hypothetically, if it did, Daryl Morey might be the most hated man in NBA history. Yeah, I mean, I, he might be I feel shooter. like a lot of people are secretly backing him, but they don't want to say anything because they don't want to. I don't know. I don't know if it is like a courage thing or if like they don't feel like it's worth mentioning. Yeah. It's like I feel like most people would be like, yeah, like he's an American. He has his right to free speech, do whatever he wants. He say whatever he wants to say, you know, like it shouldn't be like just because he has a certain political ideology it shouldn't be something that completely affects everyone else in the league you know it's just it's not his fault it's the chinese government's fault for taking it so literally i guess you could say yeah like just one guy you know yeah and that that's a that that is the way to look at it i think because yeah i mean adam silver i think that's the idea he tried a point he tried to get across in his statement is that the NBA does not regret allowing Daryl Morey to speak his mind, but they obviously do regret that it was so that the, that it came off so so that the Chinese government was so offended by it that they regret that that if they had known that was the repercussions, I think they would not have advised Daryl Morey to do that. But at the same time, you know, the NBA wants to walk the line that is the American ideology, which is um, you know honoring freedom of speech and and being able to voice your political opinion despite. It leaning in an opposite in an opposite way it's it's really weird it almost seems like china didn't know that most americans do not have the same political ideology of them yeah you know <laughs> it's just it just baffles me why they would be so offended by it yeah and it's and not the first like trump trump insults people all the time he's insulted every single country and it's not like they've censored him <laughs> i'm sure they would they would have wanted to but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's just crazy to me man i just everyone needs to just stop being so offended yeah i think listen at the end of the day i think the china china has enough i I mean, I would like to believe that this isn't enough to actually t- literally turn a fan against the NBA. I think this is coming from the top. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of these institutions are super heavily influenced by the Chinese Communist Party, unlike what we see here in the U.S. But at the end of the day, I th- got to think that the the pressure from the fans in China and the pressure that the NBA is going to experience in terms of lost revenue is going to have to make something cave. And there there will be, I think, a light at the end of the tunnel with this situation I don't think we'll actually see uh, D-Day or Doomsday actually come to <laughs> come to fru- fruition here. Uh, I hope so, for the Sacramento Kings' sake. Yes. <laughs> for the Miami Heat's sake, the man. The Miami Heat's oh sake. Oh, my gosh. The 76ers. <laughs> <laughs> man, two years down the line, can you imagine? Oh, man. Yeah. The, that, the owners have a bunch of money. They can pay the repeater tax, but still, it's like, holy crap. That's going to be, yeah, all of a sudden, like, yeah, the Harrison Barnes – the contract that Harrison, Harrison Barnes signed Barnes is going to be man. the greatest thing he ever signed. <laughs> that agent, he is the best agent ever. Yeah. But anyways, let's dive right into our Pacific Division previews, though, because I've been excited to get these started. Yes. This is great. This is the crop of the best in the NBA, I think, right here in this little pot. Um, I don't think, and I'm so excited because we've never seen this before in the Pacific Division. There's certainly been seasons we're going into it, and it could be one of those again. I doubt it, though, where it, there's hype, and we're going to finally get to see Lakers versus Clippers, Warriors versus Lakers, and it just doesn't happen. And I think this, there's no no possible way it does not happen this year, I think. 
So Man, I really hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. So we got to kick it off with the Warriors here. And who do they bring in? They bring D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley Stein, Alec Burks, Amari Spellman. Of course, they lose Kevin Durant, Marcus Cousins, Quinn Cook, Jordan Bell, Andre Guadal, and Sean Livingston, a whole group of players. And this is a team that even up to this morning, I had no idea what I was going to say about their <laughs> season. I was just like, where do I actually think they're going to fall? Um, I think they're trending down. I think me and you, Sean, can agree on that. But really the thing is, like, where does this team go when you look at this starting lineup without a Clay Thompson? You got Curry, D'Angelo Russell, Alfonso McKinney, Draymond Green, Kevin Looney, and Kevin Looney's even hurt still. So without him, you got Amari Spellman starting there in the center. Or Willie Cauley-Stein, even. Or Willie Cauley-Stein, yeah. who I think is actually hurt as well right now. Oh, is he hurt too? I didn't even know. Either way, but yes, once the season gets going with a, with a healthy lineup, that that is what it would be. And I don't know, man. Unless Curry goes off for thirty over 30 points or 30 points every night, and D'Angelo Russell's right there with him at 20, 22, this team, I think, is going gonna, gonna to struggle to win a lot of games. Yeah, and I think that's really the only storyline there is to talk about with this team, right? It's just how is Russell going to fit in with Curry? How is he going to fit in with Clay when he gets healthy too? And we're talking about a guy that really broke out last year, 21 points, 7 assists a game. But it, that is the thing. is like he, Him and Curry play very similar roles for their teams. At least that's what it seems like they thrive in the most is they're mm-hmm. both ball-dominant guards, high shot volume. Um, I mean, they could, they could exist on opposite sides of the floor. And we've seen with the Warriors that being having a lot of primary shooters, scorers on your team – it doesn't really affect their system very much. So history would lead you to believe that just because you're bringing in another guy that's a high-volume shooter, it shouldn't really affect you. But the difference is Kevin Durant's a little bit of a different beast than yes, D'Angelo Russell. Say, it is not a fair apples-to-apples <laughs> apples comparison here. Yeah, but it, it is interesting, though, because, I mean, you're obviously going to lose a lot defensively. You're going to lose a lot lengthwise having mm-hmm. Russell on the floor over Kevin Durant. Uh, but this is really all they could do. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Are you going to you're just going to let Kevin Durant walk for nothing? Exactly. Um, they, end, they ended up getting D'Angelo Russell plus a few picks out of it. I mean, what else can you really ask for? I mean, the free agent market around them was already pretty much um, call, like everyone had really called dibs on the players that they were going to get already. I mean, there's no chance Kawhi was going to go here. So at that point, it's like who's available even D'Angelo Russell seemed like that piece that they could at least take a shot with because he does seem to fit the system in, in the fact that he is a high volume shooter that they can run the floor with um, at a really fast pace the pace that they're used to doing, especially because they're going to be rolling out a pretty small lineup with uh, right. Kevon Luna at, at center for most of the time. Yeah. Uh, but, but like you pointed out, like this bench is atrocious. Yes. It's, even it's even when Clay even when Clay comes back, I mean, all you're doing is putting Alfonso McKinney on the bench, which <laughs> big freaking deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the guys who are making this this list: is Collie Stein, Alec Burks. Uh, Glenn Robinson the third, and like we mentioned, Amari Spellman, and I mean we've seen some 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 good iterations of Collie Stein at times last yeah, year. Yeah, some he's good a iterations sure. of Alec Burks, but yeah. I think the storyline from this guy is just the absolute lack of consistency, and and all of them. So I mean we're so used to having the Warriors have that consistent firepower off the bench with Sean Livingston, David West for those couple years, Iguodala. And, uh, and Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. and I think they're definitely going to miss that. They've gone younger 
um, a little less, like I said, a huge lack of consistency from these guys. But I mean, you could also bring the argument that Kali Stein's going to have him. He has a monkey on his back and he's trying to get an extension here. Alec Burke as well, trying to make a mark in their in the league. So if they have an opportunity, this is a great opportunity for them. But for the Warriors, if it goes bad, it's going to make it that much harder for them to make a climb deep into the playoffs. Um, yeah. and, and I think for me, in terms of X factor, I it's got to be D'Angelo Russell. I mean, and I put it two ways. 22 years old, see how he mixes in. Hopefully he mixes in well. But if he doesn't, he is in play to be swapped for something potentially mm. after December 15th if the market is out there for him. Um, and I think as a young guard, I got to think somebody would be willing to pull the trigger here. The question is, do the Warriors find a, a deal fit enough and are they willing to shop him around? Do you think that this is a potential Kevin Love team? I mean... It's a, it's a situ. Let's see. I guess where you would where would he fit in next to Draymond Green? You would be yeah, really he, small. Yeah, you put Kevin Love at center. Yeah, I feel like that's the direction they'd have to go. Or I mean, maybe move Draymond to the three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, at this point, it's it's a matter of getting more. If it's more firepower and D'Angelo Russell doesn't fit in, I see why. I see why not. Just go for it. You know. Yeah, because I mean, it's like you'd have to. You're like really changing. The way things like if it's not working at the trade deadline and they do feel like D'Angelo Russell is the problem, you bring in a guy like Kevin Love, he can still shoot, but he gives you a different dynamic than mm-hmm. Russell completely. Exactly. I feel like that might be a potential swap. I don't think they're gonna do it. They've they've said more than a few times that they're gonna stick with D'Angelo Russell. They think that they're he's gonna have his entire contract run out with the Warriors. Uh, it, it's just it's hard you know I, I've struggled with this question ever mm-hmm. since I saw this trade go through at first I was angry because I was like screw the Warriors man yeah. they don't need any more all-stars they finally lost Kevin Durant I thought it was over but here they are still trying to compete and they get a very talented young man here but it, there is the question is like how is he gonna fit in um, and they'll definitely know by the trade deadline I mean he's gonna be there the whole time right or you could trade him for further debt I mean you could to turn Turn him into a three-team deal and get some, mm, get okay. some players, get some more quality f- uh, heads in, yeah, in this on this roster. Especially if you see Clay Thompson coming back soon, like if, if he is going to come back like very soon after the All Star break, yeah, that, that could be something you look to do. Right, but I'd still be willing to bet that I think he probably closes out the season with this team, and I think they give him one year uh, to really try things out. But I think if things work out here, the storyline to follow is maybe this team does hit a new gear in the second half of the year with with Klay Thompson and they don't do quite as bad as we think they might and they actually do the impossible and potentially upset somebody big in the first round hmm. maybe a Lakers maybe a Clippers a Rockets team or a Denver Nuggets team Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think it's that improbable do you this I is a team I with don't. the most immediate championship pedigree out of every team really they've been to the finals like what six years in a row yeah so, I th- yeah, I don't see that this being that improbable at all. You still have a lot of good pieces from that. I mean, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. And he, he's actually Steph Curry unleashed at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, now he's got no Kevin Durant to really run the show. We, re- we I think we'd all remember what he was like before Kevin Durant got there. Right. So I, I think he could return to MVP form. I honestly think he's going to be a top three MVP candidate this year. That's the thing with like no more of these big three lineups out there. The MVP race is going to be hot, I think. And, it is. And I mean, I agree. I think in when we're talking MVP power rankings, you know, 
uh, seeing where the MVP check-ins and stuff like that, I think Steph, Steph Curry will definitely break into the top three, for sure top five of those rankings a couple times this year. Maybe he holds on. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he holds on and walks away with it. Yeah, so I will agree with you. I do think they're trending down. Uh, I, I like your your bet here with 50 wins. I think that's a pretty fair bet for the Warriors, giving them the respect they deserve for the team that they still are, that the pieces they still have. But obviously looking like a much weaker lineup than they've had in seasons past. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's going to end up being pretty close between a couple of these Western Conference teams in that range. Like, it's really hard to say, you know, are they on the same tier as the Utah Jazz? Hmm. Or are they leading a, a lower tier than than that team? Um, you know, or, or can they actually compete with the Rockets? I don't know. It's hard to. It's really hard to say. But I think there's somewhere in there. I think there's somewhere between lower on the lower end of Rockets and the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I see them being a fifth seed, four or yeah. five. Four or five, I think, is a safe bet. Um, I I think Steph Curry is going to average thirty points a game this year. By the way, I think I think there's a very good chance of that. I think I just don't see how he doesn't with winning games <laughs> i don't see them winning yeah. games without him do, averaging 30 points like it's uh, just it's you look at be, the names on this roster man i really wonder how high he'll go in our fantasy draft next week yeah it's gonna be interesting so let's go <laughs> to the lakers so the lakers another team made that huge jump into what i think is has to be considered a tier one team here their additions <laughs> frank vogel anthony davis quinn cook avery bradley danny green DeMarcus Cousins, old man Jared Dudley. <laughs> Should, does this man qualify as old man? Maybe. Old man Dwight oh, yeah. Howard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are the departures here? Magic Johnson, DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> Health, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart. Throw DeMarcus Cousins in both categories. <laughs> DeMarcus Cousins Brutal. makes both. Brutal. So they obviously <laughs> traded the first round pick in that Anthony Davis trade. But I mean, with this team, it all starts and ends with LeBron and Davis. I mean, with the end of the big three era, we're looking at this being the only team with, I think, two top five players right now. I think you can safely say in mm -hmm. LeBron and Anthony Davis. And look at this roster. Did they get better than last year? I think so. They they filled some holes with their wing defenders with Bravery Bradley and Danny Green and LeBron James. I put a question mark because I think he could <laughs> be a great defense. wing defender. You're really hoping, man. <laughs> I'm hoping we get that man back at least periodically at times this season. Definitely for sure in the playoffs, I hope so. But, I mean, we still have holes in the ball handling category. We still have holes in the – um, an interior defense category with DeMarcus Cousins going down. I mean, we have Rajon Rondo and LeBron James as your only true two uh, ball handlers on this roster with Rajon Rondo being the only real uh, point guard here. So there's a whole big hole there to fill. An interior defense, I mean, we definitely don't have Defensive Player of the Year Dwight Howard here. We lost to Marcus Cousins. So it's Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Priyot and some minutes of – Dwight Howard to really hold that interior defense together. But I mean, at this point I'm looking at Davis and if he, if this Laker team actually goes top three and it's because Davis is defense and offense. I mean, I feel like I'm looking at the MVP of the league right here. And I mean, we're looking at a guy who's been a defensive player of the year candidate. This guy's finished top 10 in blocks in the past three seasons. So I don't see why it can't be done. Yeah, so I'm going to have to say I'm going to give you a little spoiler here. If I'm the number one pick in our fantasy draft next week, I'm picking Anthony Davis first. Uh, I don't think there's many people who disagree with you. I think uh, I, yeah. I would go with Anthony Davis. 100%. I haven't looked at any rankings yet. I haven't looked at 
who's ranked first. It could be Harden. I don't know, but I'm picking Anthony Davis. There's just no, there's going to be no stopping this man next year. And we've seen a little taste of it in preseason. He's just going to clean up every single miss that the Lakers have. And there's going to be quite a few of them outside <laughs> of Danny Green's three point shooting. Yeah. Um, but, and he's just going to own the paint. He's, he's fired up, man. He's on the team that he's wanted to be on. He's playing with the player that he wanted to play with. There's no better situation for him right now. He is on fire. He's so excited to play with LeBron and this Laker team. And he is just going to run train on the entire league. There, there's very few people that could have even guarded Anthony Davis before, but when you have someone as motivated as he is right now, oh man, it's going to be scary. And you mentioned, uh, Rondo is really your only ball handler, but I think you're forgetting a very important um, internet sensation by the name of Alex Caruso. <laughs> Caruso. <laughs> yeah. You don't I believe guess. in Caruso? You don't even mention him? I mean, he's a funny internet meme, but he's got some work he's to do. He's working hard, he's man. He's working hard just because he's an internet He didn't try to be an internet meme. <laughs> It wasn't his fault. Yeah, that's true. He's been true. working hard. I mean, he has been working hard. Give the and man I think, some credit. And I think he's going to be a solid piece off the bench. He's going to have to be a, a good piece off the bench. Because, I mean, I, I can see Rondo missing some games this year, just given age and, and wear on his body. I think he's going to miss some time. So, I think we're going to need Caruso to step up. Is he a starting point guard in this league? No way. Maybe. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no All I'm way. saying is, you, you know, I know you're so sad. You're like, oh, Lakers should have gotten TJ McConnell. Well, guess they what? Should have. We they didn't got- need him. They didn't need him because they knew they had Caruso in their back pocket. This That is once that is a thing that I am still kind of really upset about, and it's going to haunt us for the rest of the year. <laughs> it's just not getting one of those solid point guards just somebody that can back up, back up Rajon, or not, I mean, start over Rajon Rondo. What am I talking about? You think TJ McConnell would start? I would start him over Rajon Rondo, wow. yes. Wow, I don't know, dude. Why don't we go get Thomas Stradonowski? Somebody didn't have enough money. <laughs> somebody solid. I mean, we're not asking for a superstar, but just somebody more solid than Rajon Rondo. I mean, Carlos, <laughs> Alex Caruso, I think I'm really crossing my fingers that he li- lives up to the internet hype. But chances are I don't think he's going to be uh, a top five point guard in this league. I'm not asking for a top five point guard. Just top ten. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. No, I, I think he's serviceable. But, I mean, yeah, I think the big thing for this team is going to be if Danny Green can keep up what he did with the Raptors. That's yeah. that's huge for them because they're actually relying on him quite a bit more than I think you really see on paper at first. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, really is that difference maker for them. I know you have an X factor of a different man, but I think Danny Green is going to be huge for this team. I mean, if if LeBron and Anthony Davis are commanding all the attention, someone's going to be open on three-point line. It's going to be Danny Green in most situations. And as long as Frank Vogel is able to run him some good plays like, uh, like J.J. Redick did with the Sixers and the Clippers, he needs to fill a similar role on offense, and he's a much better defender than JJ Redick. So this is a huge get for the Lakers. One like one of the one of the best. I mean, definitely the second best acquisition behind Anthony Davis. And he's yeah. he's going to be wide open, man. He's going to be a shooting practice for him. So if he's not sinking them, they're not going to win. If he yeah. is, this team could be unstoppable. I I agree with you. I mean, he's a forty five percent three point shooter. I mean, this is yes. insane. He had a great <laughs> shooting year last year. He's got to bring that back, but most importantly, he also has to bring back that tough wing, de- wing defense because this Laker team has been known 
at being terrible at two things. <laughs> the defense at the wing and being horrible free throw shooters. Alongside, yes. I guess, also being bad three-point shooters. But they solved that three-point <laughs> shooting hole a little bit with Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and Quinn Cook. Three guys who have both shot the ball over 38% last year. And, I mean, LeBron's not too bad of a shooter himself. Yeah. But that wing defense. <laughs> you don't want taking those. Yeah, but that that the defense at the wings that's going to be crucial for this team when they go up against some of like the Clippers or the Warriors, especially mm-hmm. if we're talking about being an NBA champ. Like we've got to cover all. We cannot be terrible at anything. And last year we were terrible at defense, terrible at the free throw line. <laughs> I don't know if the free throw line is. It has to be improved. Just well, Danny Green's by, a great shooter. Yeah. Just yeah. by simply getting rid of that crop, I can't. I just cannot believe how bad of free throw shooters Ingram, Ball, Hart, and all those guys were. I really feel like I have to put some blame on the Lakers <laughs> free throw coach. You know, like how can they all be that bad? Right, exactly. But as the X factor, I do have Kyle Kuzma, who's still missing time from that stress reaction. I mean, now that the Marcus Cousins goes down, I think it goes without saying that the Lakers are really going to need somebody to step up to be that third scorer. And you think it's Danny Green, but I think it's got to be Kyle Kuzma. I mean, 23-year-old here, 19 points last year, 45% shooting on 15 shot attempts. And if this guy's not the guy who lives up to the hype, guess what? Kyle Kuzma is great trade bait. Oh, you're going to trade this man too? I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, but at $1.9 million at 23 years old, this guy is great trade bait. You pair oh, him up with no. Jared Dudley or Avery Bradley, Jared and, Dudley. It, and let's go. Let's go get. Let's go get Bradley Beal. Oh man, you wish, dude. You <laughs> wish. That and salary I, doesn't add up at all. <laughs> I mean, pair him up with Jared Dudley, Avery Bradley. Uh, give us Bradley Beal. We're sending you and Kyle Kuzma. We're you sending get you all three. KCP. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and KCP. I always forget that KCP still. This man. You should forget up. that. You should forget that he's on this team because he doesn't deserve to be remembered. Yet. How many? How many? This guy's got to hold the record for that for the most one year deals he's gotten from outside a, from, outside from of Harrison team. outside of Harrison Barnes agent. I think Rich Paul is the best agent in the NBA. Yeah. Look at that deal. I mean, this oh, guy man. was on house arrest. <laughs> house arrest. <laughs> and he's still on this. But anyway. Anyways, the storyline to follow with the Lakers, it's we got the best two-man game in in the game right now. Big and small, guard, guard to big man. I don't think there's anybody with a better combo right now. And this is going to be a fun team to watch simply because of that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch them in actual NBA action. I think a lot of people are still thinking that this team's going to start off pretty slow. I mean, you are missing Kyle Kuzma at the beginning of the season, most likely at this point. We have no idea what his timetable for return is mm-hmm. a little concerning. And then, I mean, just what, what happens at the beginning of the season, like you're trying to get the chemistry, right? You're trying yeah. to, trying to figure each other out. I mean, LeBron and Anthony Davis are familiar with each other as, as peers and as, as uh, teammates for a little bit, but they really haven't had a lot of time to gel. So it's still going to, I think it's still going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Won't yeah. expect them to go like 20, you know, out of the gates, I, I do think that they will start off a little slow, but I do like your 52 wins uh, prediction here. And, man, I just I really hope LeBron stays healthy this year because a league without LeBron is just not as fun. Exactly. I mean, the playoffs just felt different without seeing him out it there. It really did, yeah. So I think I went back and forth a lot on what my final number was going to be here, but I'm going 52 wins. I think this is we're looking at the number three seed, and I'm crossing my fingers that we do not see the Warriors in the first round because <laughs> – that would be a, a Scary. bad spell. Very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. especially with Klay Thompson back at that point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So we go from one LA team to the next, and the next one being, of course, my favorite team, the Los Angeles Clippers, <laughs> coming off what is probably the best offseason they've ever had. Actually, yeah. I'm 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 gonna be bold, kind of, and say this is the best offseason that they have ever had. <laughs> there is no doubt. There's there... no doubt. <laughs> this yeah, this this is the year for the Clippers. If it if it doesn't happen in the next three, four years, it's never happening for the Clippers. <laughs> I'm just gonna be living in Phoenix Suns world for the rest of my NBA fan days. But anyways, we'll go right into the additions here. Uh, it doesn't really need to be said, but Kawhi Leonard, the big one there. And who does he bring along with him? Paul George in that trade with the OKC Thunder when we shipped off Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Daniil Gallinari, and every pick we have until <laughs> the end of time. <laughs> it seems that way, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, we also bring in Mo Harkless, uh, Patrick Patterson, and for some reason Rodney Magruder is still on the roster. Um, brought him in for like three years, I think. Yeah, that's, that's my boy, Rodney. <laughs> I don't know why, but there he is. Um, and departures, obviously, with Shea, Gallinari. Um, also, uh, having to let go of Garrett Temple and Wilson Chandler. Um, and drafting a couple guys who probably won't really do much for us um, in the short term, at least. And, man, I'm really going to butcher this, and I really apologize <laughs> to this man. Muf- Mufindu Cabangeli. That's that's what I got. <laughs> you did a lot better than what I would have said. I think How I would you just, pronounce this? I would have just spelled out the name, I think. You spelled it out. <laughs> There's a lot of letters here. That's yeah. take a while. Just call him MCAB or something. MCAB, yeah, yeah. sure. MCAB and uh, Terrence Mann, a little easier name there. Um, both uh, later picks, uh, one coming in the f- end of the first round, one in the second round. So um, we'll, we'll see if these guys get a little bit of playing time here and there. But, I mean, you, the real show here is going to be Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and the return of many of our roster pieces from last year that made it such a successful season. I mean, 48 wins for this team that really didn't have any all-stars, um, really didn't have a lot of fanfare going into the season and proved a lot of haters wrong and really put themselves on the map for a guy like Kawhi Leonard to want to come here and play for this team. We showed what we're made of and he saw it and he was like, you know what? I want a championship in the, with this team in Toronto, but you know what? The LA Clippers team's looking pretty nice. I think I'd like to win them their first championship ever. <laughs> this would be nuts if he does it. And there's a very good chance that they could do it. I mean, this would just be like something that lives in sports forever, like across Mm -hmm. the leagues, across games. Like the fact that some guy went to a franchise that never won, won, (laughs) went to another franchise that has never won, not even (laughs) known for winning, and won. Like that's insane. Yeah, he would be a legend for sure. Like he, he would vault himself into the top 20 best NBA players ever. Um, if he does that and maybe if he wins multiple championships maybe even more so but and on paper the Kawhi Leonard Paul George combination just seems just so delicious <laughs> LeBron Anthony Davis is probably still arguably better as far as overall player but I think just these two guys make so much sense together it makes so much sense why Kawhi, Kawhi wanted to reach out to Paul George to see if he wanted to team up with him because they basically do the same thing. They play both sides of the floor. They're both similar size. They can guard every position. And this is great for a team that finished in the bottom third of the league in defensive efficiency last year. Um, We had some pretty bad pieces between Avery Bradley being too small and rusty, um, Gallinari really only being an offensive player, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we started the season with, oh gosh, who do we have at center? Marcin Gortat. Right. Like there, yeah, there was just a lot going on with the Clippers that uh, we just needed some help defensively. We just had to outscore people at the end of the game. But now, man, I the the scenario, like the best kit, like you, you uh, what you dream about as a Clippers fan um, and the nightmare of other teams is you're coming down the floor and Kawhi Leonard's guarding you. You take a screen and Paul George is waiting for you there. <laughs> you try to pass it out, but Pat Beverly's all up in your face. There's no, there's, it's relentless. Yeah. Uh, th- these are, these are the best defenders in the league all coming at you from the same team. Right. And I, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but our, our uh, one of the favorite uh, co our, our guests of the show, Scott Williams, sent us out a text earlier today. Alan, I'm not sure if you saw it. Oh, the Bleacher um, Report. Yeah, video. Bleacher I didn't, Report. Didn't get a chance to Bleacher check it Report out yet. Article on Patrick Beverly and how he's determined to make a first team All Defense this year, um, even more so than last year, which is hard to believe because it's hard to match that man's energy. I thought there's no way he could even pick it up from there, but it seems like he's just as motivated as ever. Um, with these new offseason acquisitions coming in, and you forgot to mention uh, uh, Montrez Harrell at the center. Of course, how Montrez could, yeah, Harrell. How can we? We cannot end the Clippers segment without talking about Montrez Harrell, man. I mean, obviously, he was a one of the candidates for Sixth Man of the Year, along with Lou Williams right. last year. And these are two guys they brought back, and they're on amazing, amazing value deals that were able to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on this team in the first place because of cap space. Right. And yeah, these two are just going to destroy people off the bench still. I mean, Lou Williams, I mean, the way he plays, it, it increases longevity in the NBA. He's just outside shooter, doesn't really get in too much contact, and he's going to be that same player you'd expect. And Montrez Harrell, he's really found himself. He's really found his niche in the game. You cannot match his energy unless your name is Patrick Beverly. <laughs> and he's just he just dominates both ends of the floor and man that that baby hook he's got down and i can't i can't get over that i'm gonna mention that multiple times i mentioned it last year i'm gonna mention (laughs) it again this year man i cannot get over that baby hook right lou williams still just balling out in this league he's gonna be one of the few guys who was drafted in the 90s still in this game or like in the early 2000s i mean yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been, I think this is going on his 14th year in the league or something like that. And that, that's pretty crazy. And when you look at this starting lineup, it, it's an interesting starting lineup because obviously you got two of your best players coming off the bench in Lou and Montrez. But uh, the starting lineup, Pat Beverly, Landry Shamit, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George after he recovers from his shoulder injury. And uh, Vita Zubac going to be that starting center for us again. Uh, we bring him back on that four-year $28 million deal. Um, we'll see what he has to offer. I think the Clippers are still really high on him. We're excited to have him as a big man. He'll probably still only play about 20 minutes a game because Montrezl Harrell really eats up a lot of those center minutes when, when he comes off the bench. Um, but the X factor for me here is actually going to be the young guy. It's going to be Landry Shamit. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar to Danny Green on the Lakers. Um, he's a three-point specialist. Obviously doesn't have the same defensive prowess as Danny Green, but I think if this team is going to make that championship leap, it's going to be because Landry Shamit is able to fill the role that they need him to do, which is just be that spot-up shooter because he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him for sure, especially with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams on the floor. If Landry Shamit's just in the corner for that three, he's got to sink that thing. And so he's got to make that step as a, as a second year, as a sophomore here and just make his shots, play really stingy defense. And if he's able to step his game up, his team could be very unstoppable too. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that OKC did manage to get their hands on both Shea and Landry Shamit 
from that trade. It's, yeah, it's we just a gave surprise. them like seven draft picks. What yeah, more do you they're want? Will, they're willing to take just the draft picks. This guy, I think this guy is good. This is gonna be a special player, and the fact that you guys have him. Wantress Hair, Lou Williams, even a guy mm. like Mo Harkless is like low key a big pickup. And I think you guys still have Jamichael Green. Like there's yep. there's so many good role players, solid role pieces on this team that if Kawhi Leonard needs to miss some time, if Paul George needs to take a little bit longer than he needs to, I mean, this team alone, I think is I mean, we saw them. They made some noise in the playoffs last year against the Warriors. So I don't see that that attitude changing much. So this team is dangerous, and I think mm-hmm. the Lakers right now are kicking themselves, and I'm definitely kicking Magic Johnson <laughs> if I could for trading away Zubac. <laughs> for because nothing. We, it, we definitely could have used him right now, um, given the fact that we only have Bell <laughs> McGee and we had to go out and get a Dwight a, Howard. Dwight Howard. We definitely could have had Zubac for the cheap right now, but instead it's the Clippers' gain here for the Lakers' loss. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't see why the Clippers are not the second-best team in the Western Conference at least given the regular season. And you and like I, the Denver Nuggets at I first, still, right? I, yep. The Denver Nuggets to me just continue to yell regular season dominance to me <laughs> more than like any of these other teams. So I think I see the Clippers at second. I do see okay. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George missing time, affecting them a bit. So I think I agree with you. 55 wins here for the Clippers in, uh, to get that second seed. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think 55 wins is, is a fair number. And... It's it's a seven win increase from last year, which is a pretty big jump. But I mean, it's it's warranted when you consider the moves they've made and how they're able to really keep most of their core together. I really I'm I the thing I'm most afraid of I'm gonna say is if Pat Beverly gets hurt. There's yeah. not a lot of depth at the point guard position, and I really am not comfortable with Lou Williams having to fill in there. Uh, we don't really have anyone to back up Pat Beverly um, now that Shea Gilgis Alexander is not there. So that's going to be big. Like, Pat Beverly stays healthy. I think we're good. If, if Kawhi gets hurt for a little bit, Paul George gets hurt for a little bit, we can use J. Michael Green, Mo Harkless to fill in for them a little bit. But if Pat Beverly gets hurt, I don't really know who fills in for them. Yeah, and Pat Beverly has had some injuries in the past. But though surprisingly, Lou Williams has stood tall. Right? Yeah, he's been very durable. Yeah. But he, yeah, I mean, it's just the nature of his game. He doesn't really take much... Con- he, he takes some contact, but he's really crafty at with his body movement, with his control. He doesn't take a lot of contact when he goes into the lane, when he drives. He's able to really control his body well to avoid most of it and stays on the outside of the perimeter a lot. So I, I think that's been a big thing in his durability. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see this team on the floor and really kick things off with the Lakers. I'm crossing my fingers. We get Lakers versus Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. If they go go 2-3 the way we predict. Yeah, so I'm going to give the Clippers a 40% chance to make the Western Conference Finals. Would you agree with that number? I think so. I mean, if they go 2-3 with the Lakers, that means we will not get the Western Conference of Lakers versus... uh, uh, Clippers. No, if they finish two three, I think they, they, they would meet in the second round. Yeah, yeah. they would meet in the mm-hmm. second round. I mean, I think that would it, be. I, oh I man, I think we got to go 50-50 here. It's either the Lakers or the Clippers that make <sighs> I, that. Western I really, conference. yeah, I really do hope that this is the year that the Lakers and Clippers actually meet in the playoffs. It yeah. has to happen. It'll be the most epic series. I think so, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, so moving on here to Sacramento. Across the the Delta here uh, to the Kings, 
The additions here for these guys, Trevor Reza, Corey Joseph, Dwayne Dedman, adding some veterans to improve on the defensive side for this team as this team is get hopefully, I think, crossing their fingers that they can make a real run at a playoff spot this year. Like we mentioned earlier, they have not made it since, 2000, since the 2005 season when Mike Bibby was still in the NBA and Pedro Stoyakos <laughs> was still on this team. They lose Wally Cauley-Stein. But, I mean, this team is a young team that's with added veteranship, and I like to call them basically the poor man's uh, Portland Trailblazers at this time. <laughs> and why I say that is because they got the two guard combos in Darren, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heal. And, I mean, they got a rising star in Marvin Bagley, kind of like uh, Joseph Nurkic. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, 17 points, 37% from three. Buddy Heal, 20 points and 42% from three on, off eight attempts a game. These are solid numbers for guys who I think are still continuing to get better every single year. But when I talk about the Chinese um, thing that's going on right now that could potentially lower the cap, I think the Kings are sweating bullets because bringing in these veterans and Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman, Corey Joseph, guys who right now seem to, you know, big sign big deals and they're sort of these strong role players these deals might end up affecting this team and that's how he cap <laughs> is lord as 40 percent of the cap currently right now is taken up by these three players harrison Barth, so dumb Dwayne Dedman, and Corey <laughs> joseph and the only so reason dumb. they're willing to do that is just because of the youth on this team that is still on value contracts but if they're betting on the cap space going up to be able to bring back De'Aaron fox buddy heel and um, Marvin Bagley Jr. and Bogdan Bogdanovic and some of these other guys, Harry Giles, then they should be in a good spot. But if this salary cap growth slows down, then all of a sudden they're going to have to be hoping that some of these players take lesser deals than they, than they could get elsewhere. And all of a sudden the Kings rebuild could be in disaster mode. But that is something for them to worry about in the next coming years. But for now, I think this team is getting better. And I have them trending up at 43 wins versus 39 last year. And the eight seed last year was 48 wins from the Clippers. So I do think... <laughs> still a ways off. <laughs> yeah, so it's still a ways off. But I do think that I don't think that the... I do think that that gap between the 8th and ninth and 10th is going to be a little bit closer this year. Just given how many more... Just given the quality of teams in this Western Conference, I don't think the, the number of wins is going to be quite as high as it was last year. Ah, it's hard to say because... The environment seems similar in that there's still a ton of very good West teams. Yeah. And none of them have really dropped off. I think the only one that dropped off was OKC, but they're just right. replaced by the Lakers. Yeah, so, but I mean, just like top to bottom with the Minnesota, you got the Minnesota Timberwolves still getting better, I think. Um, I Dallas Mavericks nah. still getting better. <laughs> I mean, this is, I think this is just a deeper Western Conference. And I mean, we've been saying that for the last two years. We you're have. right. And, and, the, <laughs> and the numbers don't really skew that way. But. I mean, at 43 wins, I think that I I do foresee the Kings having a real shot at that eight seed. Do they get it? I'm not really sure, uh, but I think they'll have a shot. And if there's somebody that's going to take them to that top, I think it's Marvin Bagley's continued development. And he was one of my picks for a breakout candidate heading into this season. I mean, this is a kid who averaged 15 points a game, 50% shooting, almost eight rebounds, all while coming off the bench. Um, there was a lot of debt uh, at his position last year, and I think so many of those guys are now gone. So I think he's got a real shot to really make a second-year uh, jump in his career. Um, and if there's a storyline to follow here, can this team finally make the playoffs after 14 years? <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, I know a lot of Kings fans that would say, yes, of course, it's a no-brainer. I really, I don't know if they can do it. 
I'm going to give them a 500 record this year. And it it is hard for me to do that. Not because I think that their Kings are going to be great this year. It's because I do believe in the improvement of De'Aaron Fox. I do believe in the improvement of Marvin Bagley. But I don't believe in this team's ability to fight like they did last year. Mm. I don't know. I feel like it was a bit of an anomaly at the beginning of the year where it gave people a lot of hope that this team would be as good as like play to their ceiling for the entire year. But it just showed it like dwindled off at the end of the year. And I don't think that this team can really repeat that um, with consistency. Uh, I think that what they were in the second part of the year, I think that's what the team that they actually are. Um, And you're talking about bringing Anthony Davis onto the Lakers. Uh, That's a team you have to play four times this year. Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers. That's a team you play four times this year. Um, it's that's it's a tough schedule for these Kings, and while they have some promising young pieces, I I don't think that's going to be enough this year. Um, and like that perspective you mentioned earlier of how they could be hurt by the salary cap going down, not being able to re-sign these guys that they kind of were banking on re-signing um, by giving these stupid contracts <laughs> of freaking Trevor Ariza and Corey Joseph, and Dwayne Dedman. Um, they are going to shoot themselves over that because that is, oh man, it's the dumbest, it's the dumbest free agent moves ever. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a play to try to add some veteran leadership. I think to kind of fill in those holes that we saw last man. year, Will is Dwayne Dedman even a veteran leadership? <laughs> like, is that even veteran leadership? I mean, like, what a, does he do? It's he's an just an average. He's it, an average center. It, well, the yeah, he is. And for this Kings team, they were lacking that. They were lacking. They were just... not. They had like four centers last year. <laughs> and remember when they ran here. a preseason lineup with four centers? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true. That's true. But I think Dwayne Dedman, I think, is a little bit better than anything else they had. I'm not. All of a sudden, I'm not. Don't want. I'm not trying to be like the Dwayne Dedman <laughs> number one fan here. But I do got to say that I, I mean, I can see why he was brought on. I can see why Corey Joseph was given the contract he was. They just needed. Then it seems they they struggle getting some veteran, some solid veteran pieces here, unless they're overpaying them and. Unfortunately, that's exactly what they're doing, which sucks because now this rebuild they've been working towards might completely fall apart in a couple of years. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary, honestly. And then and Trevor Ariza is so far gone from his yeah. Rocket days. It's it's really sad to see how quickly it happened. Like he he went from being an integral championship piece to nothing in the matter of a year. And I don't yeah. know if that's the fault of the Phoenix Suns just ruining his career or the Washington Wizards ruining his career or what. But he just doesn't seem like he can play anymore. I, and I don't even know how much of a veteran leadership this guy is. You know, <laughs> like you could have been that on the Suns. You definitely weren't. You could have been that on the Wizards. You definitely weren't. Yeah. Um, the only reason you really succeeded in Houston is because you had James Harden. He's yeah. the veteran leadership there. I, I just don't see him as like a big deal. You know, I don't I don't see him as like a veteran leader is really going to show them the championship ways. I don't I don't see that happening. He is an NBA champion. He is an NBA champion, <laughs> but coattails, man, coattails. <laughs> he's a good piece, I think, at one point. But right now, yes, I mean, he's definitely regressed. It's like Vince Carter, right? Yeah. It's like Vince Carter, sure, veteran leadership, but he's on the Hawks. It's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> They should make a move for Vince Carter. <laughs> yeah, I want some old guys. You probably got Vince Carter for a lot cheaper yeah. than Trevor Ariza. Let's go. Let's go to the Suns. 
the city yes. where the sun never sets. <laughs> well, it's it's actually in permanent sunset. Um, <laughs> so the last few years have gone, but hopefully there's a little ray of sunshine here. Um, they made some additions as far as players go, but I think the biggest addition for them was actually, and th- this is something that kind of got swept under the rug mm-hmm. um, after actually all the, all the NBA player free agency started, was that they were able to land a highly coveted head coach in Monty Williams, um, who I know was a one that you wanted as uh, the Lakers head coach going into the new year. Yeah, Monty Williams is the man. He is, yeah. He's, he's got a great pedigree. Um head coach of the Pelicans from 2010 to 2015 with two playoff appearances there um, with a questionable roster, we'll say as well. Um, assistant on the 2016 Olympics team. He was the vice president of the basketball operations for the Spurs in 2017. And finally, he was the head coach to the seven or the head assistant coach, I should say to the 76ers last year and their successful run, um, almost edging out the Raptors in the playoffs in uh, that crucial game seven. But uh, a lot of people do believe in this man's ability to lead a team. And if any team is in need of desperate leadership, it's this Phoenix Suns team who has been at the bottom of the barrel for many years now. A uh, reason why I thought they were the longest playoff drought in the league is, is it seems like it's been forever since this team's actually done anything good. So do you want me to tell you something that'll make you laugh? Yeah, I, I, I saw love the, laughing. I, la- I saw something the other day. like some Somebody retweeted a screenshot of an old Bleachers report article that predicted who the top 20 players would be in the 2020 season. Uh-oh. And do you want to guess who was on that list? Which former son was on that list? Former son. When was this when did the article come out? I think this article came out in 2012 or something, 2013. Wow. And uh Amari Stoudemire? No. So <laughs> a, a son that a young son that was on the a roster. A young son. I'll tell you just because I want to see your reaction already. Okay. It yeah. was Dragon Bender. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Dragon yeah. Bender? Wow! I don't even. Wait, what? <laughs> I Who couldn't believe it either. That? That. Who predicted that? Bleacher Report did. Oh my gosh! Bleacher <laughs> Report, man. I might not be able to trust those guys anymore. I, I love Game of Zones and all, but. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's. Yeah, I hope that guy doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, getting into the player additions, um, they get their point guard in Ricky Rubio. Uh, they get Dario Saric in a draft day trade. Questionable one at that. We can get into that. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, Frank the Tank, and uh, big man Aaron Baines from the Celtics. So there's your additions. Um, not sure if that's going to move the needle or not. Um, as far as departures, you got TJ Warren, uh, who you gave away for a sandwich. Uh, Josh Jackson, who I'm actually very happy that they got rid of this guy. Um, he's, he's just a basket case. And then you got Rashawn Holmes and, and uh, <laughs> 2012 top 20 player, uh, Dragon Bender. <laughs> yes, no I longer found, on the team. <laughs> I found the article, so... <laughs> so uh, so this article was written when uh Dragon Bender was 17. Let me get the year. So the year 2015 this article came out in 20 oh, and Dragon Bender okay. was predicted to be the 19th best player in the NBA. So just for context, I think the 19th player in the latest ESPN NBA rankings for this year was uh I think it was Donovan Mitchell. It was. I think yeah. you're right. I think it was wow. Donovan Mitchell. Dragon. So they thought Dragon Bender would be Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> yes, that's that, who. That is, man, I hope that that man 
never like he i hope he completely forgot he wrote that because <laughs> i i would be ashamed for life for having written that type of article that that is really ballsy yeah and that definitely was not a risk that paid off i mean i wonder if he was just going for like the home run hit of like if i call this i'm a legend right now yeah here's the home run hit for you that i think you're gonna love okay in that same article the number two player predicted to be the second best player in the nba in 2020 was Andrew Wiggins. No. <laughs> right no. behind Anthony Davis. Oh, man. At least Anthony Davis is in there. They got yeah. one of them right. Oh, yeah. man. I, I, get, I can't blame the man. Back then, it's like Andrew Wiggins did look really good. No one knew how lazy he actually was. <laughs> that's that's a tough loss right there for that man. Yeah. I, I won't hold that one against him as much as Dragon Bender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, back to your regular yeah, programming. But, yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that aside, though. Um, but yeah, so uh, they get Dario Sarge in this draft day trade where they actually trade the number six pick to trade down to number 11 just to draft this guy Cameron Johnson who was not seen as a lottery pick by most other NBA teams he's a versatile shooter but he's also he did all four years um, with uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and North Carolina Tar Heels Um, he's a 23 year old rookie going into this year so there's a lot of there's not a lot of upside there. It's pretty limited ceiling as far as um, how fast he's gonna have to get into his prime since he's already done so many years in college. Um, so pretty rare for a lottery pick as a senior. Um, so I'm not really sure what they saw in this guy that they were so excited about that they're willing to trade their number six pick down to eleven. Uh, we'll have to see if this guy even gets significant minutes with the team. Maybe it's just another dud pick for them. Yeah, another, I mean, dr- another dragon bender, Josh Jackson type. Yeah, I mean Darius Sarek was such was a pretty solid player well that's who they traded for right yeah they got Dario Saric but like is he worth it is he worth like I mean so the Timberwolves drafted Jarrett Culver right and he seems like a pretty solid piece like a pretty like good wing guy to have I don't know if Dario Saric is that guy you really want to roll the dice on I mean I think Um, you just need good bodies on this team I I know that's why I think the number six pick would have been better to have like yeah I agree I agree yeah it's like Dario Sarge you know what you're getting with him and it's not that and he's due a new contract as well yeah yeah he's on an expired contract it's like what are you trying to do I don't I don't understand I mean there's a lot of things I don't understand about the Phoenix Suns (laughs) but I mean, we're going to have to see what Monty Williams... If, if anything good comes out of the Phoenix Suns franchise this year, it's going to be because Monty Williams is able to turn it around because they all they, they need a good coach. They need someone to help Devin Booker become the player that he's meant to be. I mean, this this kid's amazing. I mean, what, he averaged like 20, 26, 27 points a game last year? 27, yeah. 27 points a game last year, and he was on one of the most abysmal teams in the NBA, had to play point guard a lot of the time when he's really more of a shooting guard. So they bring in Ricky Rubio to try to supplement that, but it just seems like such a desperate move to me, giving him a three-year, $51 million deal. And he's on really the tail end of his career. He's on the other side of 30 now. That's not what you want to see from a guy who's going to be your point guard for the next three years. But I don't know if this was just like this was the best available. I feel like they they really could have gone out and done a lot better. Maybe they could have swapped TJ Warren for a point guard even. But yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about Ricky Rubio being that guy that's going to solve all their problems at that position. 
Um, yeah. He's, he's a smart. Pl- he's a smart basketball player. I'll give him that. But I mean, he had that great year with Utah two years ago. But yeah. we really saw a big regression from him last year, and that uh, that's really worrying to me. And for some reason, it did not worry the Phoenix Suns. I think they just got what they could have, what they could, the best they could. And is he going to make a difference? Slightly, but I mean, I still, I'm, I'm going to lock in this team. This team is getting like 32 wins next year. 32 and is a lot more than they got last year. It is. Year. <laughs> last year, 19 wins. <laughs> they had no real point guard. Their best, their number one score was Devin Booker, and behind him was like DeAndre Aiden and 19 years old. So right. they're one year further ahead, but I think they can crack 30 wins. I, I really do think they can too, but I like I said, a lot of it's going to come down to Monty Williams' scheme. Is he able to get the most out of these players because it's not a super deep roster? Mm-hmm. And they have they have great talent on the front end. I mean, Booker is one of the best scorers in the NBA, hands down. Yeah. Not just in the division, like in the NBA. Um, and the X factor here is is going to be the guy you just mentioned, DeAndre Ayton, um, coming off a solid sixteen points, ten rebounds a game last year in his rookie year, completely overshadowed by Trey Young and Luka Doncic. But he had a solid year. He did. And, he had a good year. And, yeah, a lot of reports are coming out of camp, are praising the way he's worked this summer. It seems like he's been working as hard as anybody in the league. And if he's going to show that he's worth that number one overall draft stock, it's going to have to be very soon. It's going to have to be this year. He's going to have to really come out swinging. Because um, otherwise, he's just going to be forgotten in that entire draft class last season. I mean, yeah, Doncic has taken the spotlight. And Trey Young's taking the spotlight right now. And, and there's a lot of other good guys from that draft class that you could argue are just as good um, as DeAndre Ayton. He didn't really separate himself from the pack. And that's what you have to do as a number one overall pick. So he's got a lot to prove. Um, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to really bust out this year. So if he doesn't break out now, it, the Phoenix Suns are going to still just be stuck in yeah. um, that sub-30 category. But I do believe in Andre Ayton. I really like this kid. I think he's a great talent, and I'm gonna give this team 35 wins. Ooh, I'm I'm optimistic about this Phoenix Suns team with Monty Williams. I think this is the first terrible team you've been optimistic about. Yeah, 35 that, wins. This is the one I'm banking on. I mean, DeAndre Orton, Aiden at 16 and 10, his rookie year is not that bad. So Carl Anthony Towns, his rookie year was an 18 and 10. Yeah, guy okay. off off close to the same shooting percentages. So I'm not saying he's the next Carl Anthony Towns, but it would not be an anomaly for a guy who went number one for his size to actually make that jump from 16 and 10 to potentially 20 and 10 next year. Yeah, I, I if if he can do 20 and 12, yeah, I think he's got to improve the rebounds too. Like that's that's really what they need from him. Like those are solid numbers. If he can do that for them, this team could actually turn some heads a little bit. They're not making the playoffs. There's a 0% chance this team's making the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but no like 35 wins will get you like the 11th seed, you know? Yeah. They gotta you, just you'll, take... be better than, you'll be better than Grizzlies. Exactly. And they just got to make steps forward. And it sucks because I think the biggest disadvantage that they have is their ownership group. I think the, M- uh-huh. I think the NBA's got to just start looking to how can we kick some of these bad owners out because the Scenic uh, yeah. Suns ownership – is just terrible. Yeah, freaking yeah. What Robert Sarver? Is that yeah, his name? Robert yeah. Sarver. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, now, the city of Phoenix doesn't like this man. So, yeah, there's there's just gotta be something there. Him and James Dolan between those two, they gotta go, man. Yeah, exactly. But 
Anyways, final thought to close the t- to close the podcast off and close out our division previews as we head into the start of the regular season in a couple weeks. Zion Williamson is the hype real? I don't know, man. Twenty nine points on one missed shot against the Bulls. Played twenty six minutes. Goes twelve for thirteen. While the rest of his Pelican teammates, Lonzo Ball, goes one for five. Brandon Ingram, I think, went like two for eight or something. Oh no! It was the Zion Williamson show, and I mean, twenty nine points, one missed shot, twenty six minutes in the same game where Zach Levine also went for like twenty seven. It seems like it's actually something to really think about here. I know. I really don't want to look into preseason at all. I really don't. Um, It is really fun to see Zion out there, though. He makes some of the most athletic moves I've seen out of a rookie. He's so so confident out there, you know? He just knows what he's doing. His his drives are fantastic. And all of his shots were like dunks or layups, basically, so... Mm little one-dimensional there still and that that's kind of the thought with zion still is like can he develop any outside shot or is it is this gonna be drive to the basket get alley-oops kind of player yeah and i mean i think he's so young and it takes it takes players a while to develop a lot of that stuff i mean think about how long it took for lebron to really evolve his game to the way it is now who he was also a guy who just relied strictly on athleticism mm-hmm. um so I think it's going to take some time, but for now, I think 19-year-old Zion Williamson might be worth the hype. The only thing is he might be building this hype up a little too early for himself, <laughs> but we'll see how things go once the regular season starts off. But I'm excited to see this Pacific Division mm-hmm. play out, and I'm excited yes, to see sir. what Zion Williamson kicks puts out this year. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will have our first regular season podcast episode coming up pretty soon here after our fantasy draft. Yes, so excited. Love the fantasy draft episode. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.